Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to another season of Sluts and Scholars, the podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. I am so grateful for your continued listenership, or if you're a new listener, welcome. I am looking forward to sharing some new guests with you. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts so we can keep this party going. Make sure you follow me on Instagram too at Sluts and Scholars because I'm going to be doing some fun giveaways to celebrate this new season that you do not want to miss. Before we get started, I wanted to share a little bit about an event I am co-hosting coming up called the Pleasure Connection Retreat, which is happening on October 14th and 15th in Malibu, California, and it's right across from the beach. This is my third time co-hosting this awesome retreat. Are you ready to make pleasure and connection a priority? Do you want to transform and elevate your sex life? The Pleasure Connection Retreat is an intimate opportunity for individuals and couples to enhance, explore, and build deeper connection with pleasure through educational teachings, somatic experiences, and interactive workshops. Go check out the Pleasure Connection dot eventbrite.com for more info and tickets. That's the pleasure connection dot eventbrite.com for more tickets. I am so excited to host this alongside internationally renowned yoga, meditation, and breathwork teacher and integrative behavioral therapist. She's just a multimodality healer, Lisa Ryder, aka Genius Loci. Uh, we wanted to create a safe container where learning and talking about sex is encouraged. And in our respective fields, we both see so many clients who are not having the kind of sex they want to be having and are unsure where to start. Um, We know it can be intimidating to attend an event to improve your sex life, but we really feel that pleasure is a human right, so we hope to see you there. You can check out all the info, past reviews, FAQs, and grab your tickets now at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. The link will be in the episode description. Uh, Lisa and I even did a little mini episode together called The Pleasure Connection if you want to hear firsthand what this retreat can do for you. We're even offering free 30-minute discovery calls. So start your pleasure path today at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. That's thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And I'm so excited to come back to Sluts and Scholars, uh, the show for professionals who prioritize pleasure. This week, I am welcoming Submissive Tiger. She is a rope artist, performer, educator, community event organizer, and she is the founder of the Rope Collective and the co-founder of Bondage and Bruise. Her focus is on modifications in rope for everybody, 
creating liberating experiences and connection with rope, informed consent, negotiation, and aftercare as the medium. Her style is a balance of sensual and primal expression. Welcome, Tony, aka Submissive Tiger. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. I only just realized Tony the Tiger. I know. It's cute. Huh? <laughs> it's very cute. <laughs> yeah. I didn't put a lot of thought into it. And then by the time it was, you know, it was too late to change by the time I had enough notoriety. So I love it. And I hope you've done some awesome role plays with, uh, with Tony the Tiger. So <laughs> not enough, but thank you for, that's a great suggestion. <laughs> well, you'll have to send it to me when, when that happens yeah, or, I or maybe I could be in it. Outfits for my performances. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, okay, so if folks are tuning in for the first time, I might recommend going back to my actually last episode of last season uh, with Midori, where we sort of started talking a little bit about uh, rope and kind of setting the scene. And so um, today I would love to ask you first, like what got you interested in rope play? I think probably the first imagery I saw was just on Tumblr. I was really drawn to the artistry of it and was seeing all these amazing um, photos and imagery and videos of it on Tumblr. And, you know, this was in my early twenties and I brought it up to my partner. I was in a very monogamous long-term relationship at that point in my life. And I got a little kink shamed <laughs> and he was not, um, interested and you know when that relationship ended i ended up moving to um the bay area for school to san francisco which is the king capital of the usa baby and we and i moved i want to say august and september every year is Folsom street fair which is the largest bdsm and kink festival in the world um so that was actually my first um introduction into like a kink and bdsm space and someone there because i was interested in rope and asking about it someone suggested that I get a fet life, which is kind of like this kinky Facebook, right? And I went to the first um, event that looked interesting to me was bondage a go at the cat club. And I saw live rope suspension for the first time. And, um, you know, I wouldn't recommend my process to anyone, but I think it was important to my journey that this is how I got my start. Um, but I came back the next week after talking to one of the rope artists there that evening. And my first time in rope was actually live in front of an audience in rope suspension. Oh, dang. Um, you went from zero to a hundred on that one. <laughs> Real quick, real quick. And, you know, again, I would not recommend that. Like, that is not the way to get into it. But I remember I was at this kind of like rope bottoms round table one time. And I was like, I think that that might have been why I am where I am now with rope, you know, because I did just like hit the ground running 100%. And performance has been such an important part of my journey. Yeah. I mean, how was that for you? What did that feel like when you first like had it on your skin and you're hanging in front of an audience? Like what, what did yeah. you feel? Even, even as you like remember it now, what did, what did you feel? Oh about yeah. <laughs> I definitely remember it now. Um, and you know, I, I, some, it's something I feel always in rope is just so grounded into my body. 
Um, you know, I had been a performer for years in terms of um, acting. I was um, drama nerd and really into acting my as a, as a youngin. And so I had that very familiar feeling of stage fright and like nervousness and excitement as I was going up. Um, but as soon as I was in the rope, it was like just absolute peace. Nobody was in the room. It was just me and the rope and the person tying me. And it was just the most like grounded and meditative I had ever felt, um, which was a really big deal for me as somebody who had tried to meditate my whole life and always felt like I was kind of struggling to get into that space rope was something yeah right it was just full presence in my body and mind yeah yeah I mean that kind of makes me wonder too like I hear that from a lot of folks and what are some other like reasons that you hear that people are into rope play so for you it sounds like it was really grounding it allowed you to be really present in your body kind of clearing your your thoughts um why do you hear other people are into it Well, I think, you know, for me, I really nerd out about it. And I've done a lot of like, kind of like uh, research and reading about why our brains are so responsive to a rope practice. But I think what really it boils down to for a lot of people is that feeling of being completely grounded in your body and then you're also kind of getting this really nice like somatic like grip and like hug so a lot of people like i just recently had a session with a woman and she described it as being swaddled Mm -hmm. so you have this really like yeah exactly you have this really just like tight and supportive feeling on your skin um And then I think one of the biggest components of it is what's happening to us psychologically. Um, And that is that we're really building this very vulnerable, intimate space and connection with someone we might be practicing with. So you're building this really beautiful, like vulnerability. Um, And it's starting to really kind of like release a lot of your brain chemicals. And you're also, you know, your prefrontal cortex is starting to slow down. So it just feels really nice and juicy. Like some people really describe it as like having a high or like an inebriation, Mm -hmm. which is a a very real thing that will happen for people. And I think furthermore, we're really just kind of starting to rebuild our association to a lot of things that have felt heavy for a lot of us most of our lives, (laughs) like setting our boundaries and our limitations and talking about our wants and our desires and, and, and all of those things being really receptive and honored. Um, And, you know, we're able to kind of like be playful and erotic Um, in those spaces where we're doing things like saying like, no, that doesn't feel good for me, or yes, that does feel good for me, Mm. um, can be just a really powerful act, you know, um, cause when we build that positive association to those things, it just feels so much more natural and motivating for us to be able to do it. And do you find that the folks who are doing the tying feel something similar or what's more the experience of being the the top or doing the tying versus 
being swaddled in the ties? <laughs> That's such a great question because I think so, so often we do forget about our beloved tops and like what <laughs> they're going through and that they need aftercare. But as somebody who is very switchy and I do both, so I get tied by others, I self-tie and I self-suspend. And then I also um, tie and suspend others. And so one thing I've noticed the difference is I'm still very focused and like hyper aware almost. But for me, it's more of a like, um, I feel very in flow and, uh, and in a craft. So mm-hmm. basically, if you've ever had something you're really passionate about, like playing music or um, you know, art or science and math, you know, whatever humans like really passionate about. I think we've all kind of experienced when you get in flow with that passion and you're just kind of like in the zone. (laughs) Totally. So I definitely like, I feel more of a like in the zone vibe where I'm just Mm -hmm. feeling very creative. Um, it's very activating for me. Um, And I'm, but I do have a sense of that. I'm not overthinking anything, you know, everything is just kind of coming naturally and flowing to me, which is a a very nice feeling as well. I would say it's not as much that I feel necessarily as um, meditative and possibly like high off of it, but there is a sense of um, elevated, like, mind and body activation as even a top Mm -hmm. um and i think also the experience of like providing a a rope experience and a really um yeah just like a maybe transformative powerful experience for another person does kind of give you this really really um sense of like almost pride and like fulfillment, you know, Mm. um, that I've definitely noticed. I think a lot of people don't understand say no masses masochism so much in that way because they're like, well, isn't it messed up to like hurt people and want to be hurt and want to hurt people. Um, but the thing is that your hurt and pain is really your brain sending signals of pain like you know you hurt your arm and it's not your arm that is in pain it's your brain sending signals that your arm is in pain so when we're when we're in operating from a place of informed consent and letting our brain know hey i'm into this (laughs) um your brain kind of stops sending those pain response signals and you're really just feeling the sensation itself without a pain response typically. Um, well, and I, and so, I like to kind of like yeah. correct folks on that too, when they have misconstrued conceptions about kink and BDSM, that it has yeah. to include pain. I more yes. define it as an exploration of sensation. Pain yeah. is a sensation, but there's a lot of other sensations that can, you know, be happening. And so even with rope, I think, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, maybe suspensions and things and that and that can certainly bring up increased sensation um but there's ways to play with rope that don't have any pain sensation at all you know just like finding a really smooth silky sensation rope and having that on your skin and doing you know ties that are not very like tight and binding like there's i think you described yourself in your bio as as sensual and so right. can 
Can you talk a little bit about like what sensual is? So maybe we can kind of put this assumption to rest that it's just pain. That's one option on the menu, but not the only option. Right. And I always tell people, you know, as I'm teaching, because I teach a lot of rope too. And I always say like, nothing should be painful unless someone want is it consented to, be. Yeah. to it and that it's intentional. If it's painful, your rope is messed up. <laughs> um, because it's quite possible even in suspension to suspend someone in like a hammock, basically. Um, you just have to add more support and more, uh, more rope and coverage, you know, and it can really just kind of feel like a nice hammocky feeling. Um, but yeah, there's so many that like, we're really playing with like the spectrum of human sensation and emotion. And that's completely modifiable to each individual person. Um, so yeah, there might be someone who likes something more painful or extreme, we don't really know how they're actually experiencing that. Um, but then there's so many ways that you can play in kink and BDSM that don't include any pain or anything even close to a pain response at all. You know, I know people who tie with like a nylon or a synthetic, some sort of rope that's a lot more smooth. You can play with feathers. You can play with velvety sensations. You can even um, play with energetic ropes, meaning that there's no physical ropes at all, but you establish this sensation of being bound with nothing. Yes, yes. That's High cool protocol. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm very into that too. You know, I think um I think really the the beautiful thing about this art is it's not just the somatic experience, but it really is a a psychological pairing with that where you're um, going through these somatic experiences and you're really like identifying what is going on for you uh, physically and mentally and emotionally, and then being heard and seen and witnessed in that and then like supported through it too, you know? That's why aftercare is so important in this uh, field of work because it's so important to kind of um what's the word like integrate the experience that you've had yeah. with being like oh i've had this really intense experience i've had this really vulnerable connective experience with this person and now i'm really being like cared for afterwards and supported in my like coming back to earth from that experience yeah and i imagine you've seen the ways that it can make connections and relationships better oh yeah i remember this was long ago this was probably around the first time we opened the the rope collective because we started in which i in think school. is celebrating its one year anniversary yeah so we're celebrating our one year anniversary in this studio space it's our first like official studio that is ours our first brick and mortar we've been happy in here anniversary Thank you very much. And September 16th, we're having like a huge party about it. So if you're in San Diego or near San Diego, or you just want to fly to come to be with us, um, we are welcoming everybody and we're going to have like rope performances throughout the night. We're going to fire, burlesque, dance, aerial, 
all of the performing arts that we love. Um, we're going to have live music, DJs, food truck. It's going to be a big thing. Um, so we're really excited about that celebration. But the um, the Rope Collective itself came into fruition in 2019. So we've actually been operating as a space um, for like five years now. Um, the thing was that we were renting these back rooms in the back of a vintage store actually and it was very cool i love a shout out to upright citizen in san diego they're an awesome vintage store and we used to operate out of the they had these huge back rooms that were connected from an alley so they pretty much cleared it out for us to host rope events once a week at least and it was selling out like our all of our rope classes were selling out our first performance event had like 150 people came through and we were like wow this is like a big thing um but then covid hit um mm-hmm. And they moved into a smaller space. We kept going virtually. And then we were just kind of bouncing around. And I finally was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I I really just need to risk it all to (laughs) open this space. And it has been, you know, one of the most challenging things I've ever done, but definitely the most rewarding. Yeah. Well, going back to, I, uh, I totally, uh, digress this for a moment, but like, how have you it's seen okay. this sort of positively impact, uh, yeah, partner- that's partnerships right. and relationships? That's right. That is where we started this. Um, <laughs> so when we were first operating and out of upright citizen and we were kind of early days, um, this couple came and, you know, I didn't really think anything of it until I got this message and I've asked them if I could share their story on, with anonymously and they set, consented to that. But, um, basically they DM'd me or messaged me the next day and they were like, just so full of gratitude. And they were like, me and my partner had broke, like we were broken up, but we had paid for mm-hmm. this rope class. So we were like, Oh, well, we we're both interested in rope. So we might as well like go to this rope class together and like, see what it's all about. And they actually s- decided to like stay together and like reignite their relationship because of this one rope class they took. Yeah. Together, see, people don't, know? people don't need me. They don't need therapists. Just uh, take a rope <laughs> tying class. I mean, I think, I do think though, like there's something, I mean, I think people should do both, but I'm biased. Yes. I'm a therapist. Um, 100%. And I think doing experiential things is something I believe in a lot to help people sort of see what their dynamics are in real time. And right. so with something like rope, if I were like witnessing a partnership do that, I would get to see how do they communicate? Um, how do they express when they like something, when they don't like something? How do they negotiate? How do they set boundaries? How do they know when someone's enjoying it? How do they know when they're not enjoying it? Like, how do they care for each other? How do they show love? Like, there are so many things that would be demonstrated through this experience. I could see how it would be, um, insightful and therapeutic for a lot of people as with any any experience i do that at my office with equine assisted therapy like how they interact with the the horses right show me a lot about their stuff yeah and i think that you know that's something i always say because 
rope can really have a lot of cathartic, like therapeutic properties. But I always say rope is not therapy because when you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position mentally and physically, you have just as much chance as having this like amazing healing experience as you do potentially harming yourself or others. So I don't like to... Um, be disillusioned yes it's not a replacement for therapy (laughs) it is absolutely not a replacement for therapy please get therapy we all can benefit (laughs) from therapy Um, but I do think it is a beautiful um, it's almost like once you have some therapy and you have some resolution and you have some healing going on it's an amazing practice in all of the things you've learned in a therapeutic environment Mm -hmm. you know we're really um like you said we're setting boundaries we're talking about our limitations we're talking about our wants and our desires and being really really diligent about where those lines are and also we're allowing room for safe wording right to come to those moments that you may have agreed to and say hey actually this isn't sitting with me like i thought it would can we reevaluate and renegotiate you know i always tell people You're never going to add anything in once you start, but you can always take something away once you start. Um, You know, consent is always revocable. And so when you're practicing all of these things and you're also practicing like what feels good touch-wise and Mm -hmm. sensation-wise, like how do you want to be touched? Do you want to be touched forcefully? Do you want to be touched gently? Do you want to be touched both ways at different times. And what does that look like? You know, you're really getting to practice all of these things. And they not only just, you know, create this amazing uh, physical and maybe erotic or sensual or sexual bond, but those things can really bleed into every facet of your life. I know Mm -hmm. after I started doing rope, I was way better at communicating. I used to have such a weird thing in work environments where I would get really teary eyed when anything was like, if I was in trouble or something serious was happening. And it was so embarrassing because I wasn't like, I didn't want to cry. It wasn't an intentional thing, but I was like in a professional setting and it was so embarrassing to me. And I forever was trying to figure out like, how do I, stop that from happening and rope was actually like taught me how to handle that where I was like hey maybe just like talk about your boundaries and like talk about what's happening for you um and then you're not building anything up that could potentially lead to some sort of like release like crying um so I really noticed that Um, rope once I started practicing these things in like this fun erotic playful scenario and I had that positive association I was able to apply that into so many different areas of my life Um, so I think that you know like we were saying it's not therapy but it's such a great practice of what you may um, learn in therapy right right well said and and I think you know, when people often talk about safety and things having to do with rope, um, I often hear them first covering like the physical safety things, like where you shouldn't tie, how the body's impacting. But for me, when we talk about safety, we're also talking about emotional and spiritual energetic energetic safety as well. And so yeah. I wonder for you, like, 
mind, body, spirit wise, um, if someone's kind of listening to this and wanting to do more rope or trying it out for the first time, what was most helpful for you in learning about physical and emotional safety um, to, to hold this space for yourself and others? Yeah, I think it's so important to um, reach out, even if you're not going to be very active in community, reach out to some sort of community or be part of some sort of network of people who can really guide you through this practice, you know, so like a check, hear, check and balance system. Yeah, yeah, it's super important. And there's a there's a variety of reasons. Um, but you know, that was my big motivation for starting the rope collective was I was like, I really want a place where people can come and learn about this thing and be in a learning environment that is calm and has nice lighting. You know, we love our dungeon spaces, but yeah. nobody is learning anything with strobe lights and heavy metal music and people <laughs> screaming like a dungeon environment is not the best to learn and talk to people about safety and um, emotional and physical safety. So that was really my thing with opening this space. It's I was like, I really want this like awesome community space where people can come learn about these things. They can network with other people for vetting, for um, bouncing ideas and feedback off yeah. of. Um, and it's not overstimulating and overwhelming. And, you know, we are like a completely, you know, everything we do is very by the book and very legal. So the play that you can have in this space is limited. But I think that is also really helpful for people who are brand new and they want to explore and they want to know more to have an environment where the play is a little bit more um, boundaried. Um, and then also our focus is a little more on the education and the um, networking and meeting people and learning. Um, so we're much more of a learning environment, though we do host big events where it does get a little more playful and showy. Um, but I think it's important to reach out to be part of some sort of community, some sort of person or people who have your back. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I hear a lot of people learning on the internet or reading on the internet, and nothing can really replace that in person, um, that in person connection. And um, I think also, it's just really important to um, listen to your, to yourself and what is going on for you and to kind of like walk before you run, you know, it's very easy because there's so many fun, cool things to do that a lot of people will experience what we call frenzy, which is <laughs> basically where you want to mm. do all of the things you want to try everything you're piling on a lot. Yeah. Um, and then if something goes wrong, it's really hard to decipher what was the thing that didn't work for you. Yeah. So I really recommend trying one element at a time. And then once you're confident in that element, adding more things like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to get some in-person education as well as online. If that's one of the ways that you're learning, um, and just really having starting to build kind of like a network around you of people who know what you're doing, who are affirming and aren't judgmental. Um, and 
can really kind of uh, guide you in this process as well. Yeah. And I, just to add to that, I mean, this doesn't necessarily have to do with the safety, but I think creating space, I always like to encourage people to um, just do a little research about rope stuff and looking into the, you know, Japanese roots of shibari um, right. and so that you can be approaching this in a, in a culturally competent and appreciative way. Um, I think that's important too. It's so important. And I think in general, you know, um, beyond just Japanese rope bondage, but bondage in general, there is a lot of cultural um, heaviness or things that can come up, right? And for me, I actually work with a lot of different communities that um, could be affected by the imagery of rope. And part of Mm -hmm. it for me is, is almost like an alchemy, right? Where we're like dissolving something to its basic elements of like rope restriction loss of control like helping people kind of like re um regain a sense of corrective experience with rope exactly Mm -hmm. exactly so that's really important to me um to kind of be able to reclaim like when you look at i like the word you use to alchemize it to turn it into something else Exactly. So that's really important to me. Um, But it's so important to um, be sensitive around that practice, because that isn't something that anyone should take lightly. Um, I'm a big component of um, also, like, people should consent to see and be part of this practice. So that's something I will often do. I mean, my full-time job is being a rope artist. But if somebody asks me what I do for a living and I'm getting the feeling or sensation that this might be something they're not going to consent to for me to be like, oh, so I do this rope art and, you know, I can perfectly say I'm an aerial artist that uses rope or something. Mm. You know, there are Mm -hmm. so many different ways that you can phrase things or present things. And it's not coming from a place of um, shame or like trying to hide what I do. I'm very, you know, if they were curious and asked more questions, I would be very open to sharing. Um, But I think, you know, not I, for me, I, I feel I must get consent even to bring up something that might be like triggering for somebody or to show it. Um, You know, I have done performances where, the audience was a little more all ages and I made it very circusy and I did it very, very much in a way where all of the sexuality, I was a bearded woman and it was like a circus act. Right. So there's so many different ways that you can um, have this experience and show and be part of this experience that don't have to be inherently um, sexual. Right. Yeah. And, and I also, I think, to me, this just kind of like hones in on this idea that yes, it's cool and beautiful to create art and know like all the ties and how to, you know, to, to make these beautiful things. But I guess to me, when we're talking about like being more experienced in this and, and learning the tools and the skills, it's all about attunement, attunement, meaning like being able to be present with yourself and another person. And that is a skill that is a practice. Um, sometimes we mess it up, but you know, that's a, it's a practice. And so that to me is like the biggest skill and not something that you can just teach from a, 
a class. Um, it's a, it's a practice. Yes, absolutely. Um, my last kind of question before we start to wrap up is you talked about, um, we talked a little bit about pain and, and the unwanted pain um, in this setting. And as someone who is in an aging body, <laughs> I wake yes. up in the morning and my body hurts just from sleeping sometimes. Yep. And so um, I love rope and there are things that I don't, that my body can't really tolerate comfortably anymore. And I'm at the age yeah. where like, you know, I like a little bit of pain, but I also like to be comfortable. And so <laughs> you mentioned talking about rope for everybody. I'm wondering what sort of um, changes have you made for folks to help make it like accessible for them? Or do you have like examples um, so that people feel like if they are into this, they can do this throughout the lifespan, even as their body changes, or even if you're existing now and there's things that your body cannot tolerate based on your, your body and your accessibility? Yeah, so that's something I am super passionate about. I would say that's kind of like my special, my specialized um, thing in rope is modifications yeah. for everybody. Yeah, my little motto is rope is for everybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've also experienced a lot of that. You know, what I did in rope in my early twenties, I definitely do not do anymore in my thirties. <laughs> um, but then there are some things that I do now that I'm more educated that I didn't do back then. So I think your risk profile or what you're able to take on or wanting to take on in rope or kink or BDSM or anything in life will change and be fluid over time. It will also be fluid day to day, you know, like some days I want to, I have my body feels capable of pushing the boundaries. Some days my body is like, no. Um, So I think it is a lot of listening in Um, and then also finding a rope artist or somebody who cares about that and is able to modify their rope to work with your body. So Mm -hmm. often what I will do is make sure somebody is in a comfortable position before we put them into any sort of uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. So I really make sure that when, before I put on the rope that the position they're in is comfortable um, and then that's how I'm going to hold them. And, you know, I've worked with people who are, um, have disabilities. One thing I often do in suspension with people who may have like an affected part of their body Mm. is suspend a pillow underneath it. So they're kind of just laying on a pillow in that area. Um, so there are a lot of different ways that you can kind of modify a tie to work for somebody. Um, You also don't need to do really extreme, flexible things in rope. You know, there are a lot of sequences and ties that people do that really um, bend the body in a lot of different ways. But it's completely possible to suspend someone, like I said, very hammocky. You can do something that's totally... Um, like vertical without a whole lot of discrepancies. Um, And then one thing I will often do too, is that if somebody is like, Oh, this is a little bit too much in this area, I'm able to either higher or lower that area so that it's taking on less of the work. Um, And then they like, or if they don't have feeling in a certain part of their body, like figuring that out of like, do we need to pick a different part of the body where you can sense into that? Or how do I do my own homework to make sure I know what's like, okay, 
Um, if you're not having as much sensation in that part of your body, like it, there's, there's so many creative options. Yeah. I imagine. And I think also one of the things is like, not everybody has to do suspension. Like yeah. I think a lot of people see it and they're like, Oh, this is amazing. I want to try it. And well, it we're is, just a culture where we compare ourselves to each other and think that we have to true. do more, do more of the best, you do know, more, right. Hard. But I'm telling you right now, you can get all of the juiciness in on floor ties. And you can also do what's called partial suspension, which is basically like you're suspending part of the body, but some of it is still touching the ground. And even Mm. if you have a little bit of you touching the ground, it makes a huge difference. Um, But, you know, rope suspension is a very high risk activity. So I tell people a lot of the time, I'm like, if you're just here to spice up the bedroom, like I could teach you a double column or a few simple ties and send you on your way. Like you don't really have to go to these extremes to enjoy this practice and get all of the benefits from this practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you do get to suspension and you are going to do suspension, that is taking on quite a higher risk. You know, it's like skydiving or scuba diving. Like, yes, you're going to experience this really cool thing, but there's risk associated with it. So I encourage people to really think about if that risk is worth it to them. Um, Because if your vision isn't like, oh my God, I just really want to be in the in the suspension. And that is really important to me. If what's important to you is just to experience these sensations and see what rope's all about and, and connect with your partner, you can do all of those things in a pretty low risk environment with rope. Yeah. So there's kind of like a spectrum of how much risk you can take on. Yeah. Oh, well, I know we could go on for longer, but um, yeah. I want, how can people get in touch um, with you, uh, with the Rope Collective? Um, anything you want to shout out before we wrap up? Yeah, I appreciate that so much. And I appreciate you so much for having me. Um, so the ropecollective.com is our website. And you can see all of our events. We have some writings and offerings. So like if you go to our about us, we have a code of ethics and that will tell you a little bit about consent and negotiation. And we have some different resources on there. Um, And then you can also see events that we do. You can also schedule um, to see a practitioner. So we have a lot of one-on-one practitioners here. I teach rope private. We have um, somebody who does impact play. And then we also have like massage and Reiki and kind of like a little wellness room as well. Um, And so if you're not San Diego local, some of those offerings are virtual. Um, And then that is just a great place where you can like read more about us and see all the things we're also the rope collective on like instagram and um facebook and all of the social medias i do think our fet life is just rope collective without the the um but you know finding us under uh, um all of those things um, to read more about us. And then, like I said, we're having this big celebration September 16th. So if you are close to San Diego or um, are willing to travel, we would love to have people out for this big celebration we're going to have. And yeah, that's, that's the best way to find us. 
Great. Well, thank you, uh, Tony, aka Submissive Tiger, for joining. Um, Again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Please don't forget to check out the advertiser discounts because the more you support them, the more you support the podcast. And don't forget to rate and review, um, preferably a a nice one, um, when (laughs) you are able. (laughs) Thank you so much. And talk to you next time. Thank you. Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.